Welcome to Humanity Evolve with your host, Catherine Colarco. This program will bring your life, family, and community together by focusing on the new technologies and innovations that define your world in an open and relaxed forum of ideas and discussion. Now, here is Catherine Colarco. Welcome to today's show on Humanity Evolve. We're really excited to have Jamie Wheel join us. If you happen to be on the February 7th show with Stephen Kotler, that was part one of Stealing Fire, and this is part two. So Humanity Evolve is about how to succeed and thrive in a rapidly changing world. The goal is to inspire, empower, and inform our community with wisdom from credible and trusted world experts who genuinely share their knowledge for you to have a better life, a better community, and ourselves to have a better world. It's really, and this was actually from the Stealing uh, Fire book, it is about nurturing what is best on ourselves. And that's really what we're doing today. <laughs> and the nice thing about today is that uh, I, it's, uh, Jamie and I have known each other for many years and have done some uh, really fantastic things together in terms of using uh, biotechnology and also uh, flow state apparatus and been at several conferences together. But I think what is most impressive about Jamie is his dedication, absolute fundamental dedication to helping people achieve peak performance and leadership. He specializes in neuroscience and application of flow states. He has got an amazing TEDx talk, and you need to check it out if you want to know the background. He's worked with people like Red Bull, this the, the athletic uh, group there. The, he's also worked with, uh, obviously, the Special Forces, uh, several sports leagues like NFL, NBA, and, uh, and also uh, executives at Google, Deloitte, Cisco, and and the Young Presidents Association. Jamie, it's an honor to have you today. Thank you so much for being on the show. Uh, thanks for having me, Catherine. Uh, so, so tell me a little bit about what was the inspiration for Stealing Fire? How did you go from flow to ecstasis? <laughs> That's a great question. I mean, and funnily enough, it's it's almost the other way around. It, it's how did I how did I go from ecstasis to flow? Um, because because really, you know, this this book, Stealing Fire, is is twenty years in the coming, uh, and it started really kind of when I was an undergrad in college, and began having experiences like this. And I was studying kind of history and anthropology and those kinds of things at the time, and I was like, oh my gosh, wh- where what is this lineage? What is this you know sort of strange, crazy crisscrossing story? Story that goes around the world and through millennia of human history of people finding and cultivating mm. non-ordinary states of consciousness to accelerate. In the, in the old days, it would have been the martial traditions, you know, so literally like yeah. warriors or the monastic traditions, you know, the monks and the saints. And as we moved into the 20th century, it also became athletes and artists. And now, when, you know, why we were able to write the book we did, the, the scientists and the academics as well. So really, this is sort of a love letter to this crazy lineage throughout human history of all of us reaching for Olympus, reaching for that fire of, and, you know, and fill in the blank, right? I mean, the, the descriptors have varied based on culture and, and, and time, but whether it's the grace of the gods, whether it's insight, inspiration, whether it's flow states being in the zone, whether it's meditative or mystical state, all of these things, and just realizing, wow, these are our birthrights. Right. And this is this is what this is where you know, and, and back to the myth of Prometheus, right? Prometheus didn't just, you know, bring bring down from Olympus a book of matches or a big lighter. Right? <laughs> it was the ability to seed technology and culture and language and art and medicine, right? And and so this impulse in us to seed culture with the inspiration that we sometimes glimpse um, feels like a pretty strong and profound driver for all of us. And to be able to tell a little bit of that story was kind of you know what, what inspired us to write this book. Awesome, because it's almost democratizing the knowledge of the elite and making it accessible for everyone to improve their lives. I just love that concept of of open sourcing uh, the state to allow people to figure out how to achieve it. You know, and and it, it it's sort of and you guys noticed this, right? You noticed that there is, I think you've got an infographic about four trillion dollars is really in this area that people are really doing this all already, but that's kind of unguided. You know, tell me a little bit about what you're seeing out there, what your research showed. 
Yeah, well, this this really came from us doing the flow neuroscience research and realizing, okay, um, the, this is a non-ordinary state of consciousness. It has a pretty consistent set of biomarkers or signatures and far as you know, brainwave and electrical activity as far as heart rate and the qualities of these things, as far as neurochemistry and the hormones and, and neurochemicals that are flowing through our systems at given times. And we realized, oh, wow, um, this isn't just something that artists and athletes are doing. Many, many people are doing this and we're doing it all the time. And right. as, soon as, as soon as we realized, well, if you categorize an economy based not on are you buying a car or a refrigerator or going out to dinner? But and yeah. if you categorize the economy based on, hey, these activities or pursuits or goods and services all push us into these states. Right. Whether it is pharmaceuticals or IMAX theater, right, or social media <laughs> on my phone, right, right. Each of them are or are actually prompting dopamine or prompting serotonin or prompting these various things. We can take a look at it. Yeah. And, and we, and we kind of ran the numbers and we were super conservative and every, every single you know, chance we had, we kind of downgraded them. And we looked at it and we realized $4 trillion is how much we are spending per year to mm. try and alter our state of consciousness in one way or another, whether that's going to music festivals, whether that's binge watching on Netflix, again, whether that's social media, whether it's online streaming pornography, whether it's you know, legal and illegal pharmaceuticals, right? There's tons of stuff about the opioid epidemics. One in four right. Americans are on psychiatric medic- medicines. So, I mean, all of these categories, $4 trillion, and, and that's such a large number, it's really hard to, for people to wrap their heads around. But that's a quarter of the United States' annual GDP, Right. It's, it's only it's only a trillion dollars shy of some of the estimates of how much a decade of a two front war in Iraq and Afghanistan have cost mm-hmm. the United States. <laughs> you know, it's it's an insane. It's more than the GDP of Russia or Britain. Right. So it's a, it's it's one whack of cash yeah. we are spending just trying to shift our state of consciousness. And it said a lot of it is counterproductive. A right. lot of it is flying blind. Escaping. A, yeah. A, a lot of it is escapist or addictive or destructive. And so right. our, that's the biggest premise of our book is to say, look, there's a huge there there. Yeah. It's the biggest underground economy that we've never heard of and no one's talking about, but it gives us a sense of how desperately we're all trying to get out of our own heads. Yeah. Do you think that, and I, I want to back up just briefly, because for those who didn't hear the Stevens talk and get the explanation of ecstasis and what it is, I, I'd like you to kind of explain what that state is. What are people trying to uh, find, you know, with sure. this? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that, that just comes from the old, the ancient Greek, uh, ecstasis, and it just literally means to stand outside yourself. And so within that category, you know, we included um, meditation and mystical states. So any kind of sitting contemplative meditation that people are familiar with, but these days, and certainly this is, you know, part of your passion, Catherine, is, you know, smart, smart tech, any of the kind of EEG and biofeedback kind of tools like the Muse device or like any of these others that, you know, you can use to give you good feedback on your brain or heart rate and shift you someplace um, as, as well as flow states and as well as psychedelic states. So a specific subset of chemical compounds that there's been a response in the last five years in particular on sanctioned, you know, high-end university research, NYU, Johns Hopkins, UCLA, Harvard, came, you know, Oxford, all uh, you know, robust institutions coming up with some fascinating research. So those three, meditation state, meditative states, flow states, and psychedelic states is kind of what we are classifying as the terrain of ecstasy right. these days. Right. And you talk about having specific brainwave patterns and releasing uh, key uh, neurochemicals. And is that uh, sort of what people are looking for? They don't know what that is, but they know it when they feel it. So they're trying to optimize for that state. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I think that's, <laughs> that, that's definitely the case that they, they, they know it when they feel it. Yeah. And, and really, you know, we, we talk about this is, is, is that there's four predominant sensations that tend to arise that mm-hmm. are the cue off the right. neurobiology. And, and, and one of them is, and the one that most people orient around is just selflessness. I mm. lose, my, you know, the, my inner narration, that inner voice that's not always that friendly or forgiving, um, often quite neurotic and fear-based, um, that voice tends to power down, go silent. And for many people, that's it. Just like that's what they're seeking. And right. it could be the fourth glass of wine at book club. It could be driving too fast, going home. <laughs> just, like, we do it in a thousand different ways, but we're just trying to create a life that is either calm enough or exciting enough where mm-hmm. I don't have that that voice on in my head. Um, in fact, one, one of my friends who's a you know, high-stress CEO, he's like, you know, I could never go road biking, road cycling. 
Mm. Because then I'm still in my head. I'm pedaling as far as I can pedal as far as I want, but I'm still in my head. But point me down a rocky, steep mountain bike hill. And right. for that three minutes, I'm not thinking about that big, that $50 million deal I blew that <laughs> week. <laughs> so so risk, risk is a potential trigger. Right. Novelty is a potential trigger. Right. Embodiment is a potential trigger. So there are lots of different ways that we, you know, by hook or crook, Mm-hmm. can find ourselves into these states. But I agree with you that that, um, that is the, it's the sensation that people are, that are looking for, whether or not they know the mechanisms. And once we know the mechanisms, we realize, ah, there's a lot of other choices, and I can right. do this healthier, safer, more repeatable way than when I was just throwing dots blindfolded. Yeah, I think that is so fundamental and important about this, because it seems as if the, the, the dynamic, exponentially expanding technology and, and growth that's occurring in the, in, in the globe at the moment, you, you ha- it's overwhelming. And I think that, that people need, that it seems as if in order for people to adapt or humanity to evolve, which is what the show's about, is that they need tools to an understanding of these pieces to to strategically put it together so it's not some sort of random hit and miss it's it's more constructed for the good of that person and and for what they're trying to achieve in a healthy way um, and yeah. that knowledge is is really what you talk about in stealing fire yeah and, and and specifically to that the idea of like how always on are we you know yeah. I mean Right. You know, searches, I mean, just as an example, I mean, searches for the word time have <laughs> five times the, the, the hit rate of sex or right. money. Wow. You know, so, so, like, that's how, fa- I mean, and you wouldn't think that. You would think <laughs> that, you know, the, 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 the making love or money would be way more important. <laughs> but no, we're desperate. Uh, we, we have uh, what one, one Harvard researcher called time poverty, mm. where we're forever, ever borrowing from tomorrow and, and borrowing from the day after that. And we end up sort of with interest paid. And it ends up in chronic stress. It ends up in broken relationships. It ends up in lack of job satisfaction. It ends up in a lot of real life things. So, one of the things that we were talking about actually when we were just meeting with Google um, last last fall was just this notion, you know, and, and the conversation was how do we how do we create environments that let people perform at their best without burning out? Right, right. That's a straightforward right. inquiry. Um, that's true for all of us. And and yeah. one of the things we we're talking about is look, what we want to get rid of is chronic threshold distress. Mm. So whether that's what's in my inbox, whether that's do we pick up the kids from the soccer game or practice, is there enough groceries, I mean, you know, is, is the traffic too slow for me to get to work on time, the, all the things that are bombarding and what, what's what's cr- latest crazy thing is in the news cycle when I turn my phone on in the morning, right. right? These things are leaving us in a state of psychological and neurophysiological fibrillation. It's like a mm. heart that's not, it's no longer beating healthily, it's right. just quivering. Yeah, I'm a state of trauma. <laughs> in a state of perpetual trauma, right? Oh, yeah. So just like just like in the you know the the the, the doctor movies, right? You take out the paddles, and we need to <laughs> flatline it so that like our our nervous systems can start beating in a healthy, effective way. And what that means is, can we get rid of the distress in the middle? Can yeah. we practice active recovery, meaning I'm sleeping well, I'm moving my body, I'm I'm getting the kinks out, and then can I engage in actually more stress, what would be called eustress, healthy stress. Right. That's like Challenge, lift yeah. weights, right? That's when we lift yeah. weights and we break down muscles to fame. That's the, that's the stretching and growing that happens when you have a child as a couple, right? It's yeah. these things that make <laughs> us stronger when we're done. But what we want to get rid of is the middle band of yeah. distress. And these moments of ecstasis, the research shows really convincingly, let us reset our nervous system. They are, the, they are a kinder, gentler equivalent to those paddles. Right. <laughs> they let us reboot our system and go back to that, the, the true high highs and the deep and restorative lows. We just cut out all the static in the middle. And that's such a great thing for us to talk about is really how do we do that? You know, what aspect of that? And we're going to go to a break and allow people to get their notepad so they can actually write some things down as we walk into the next section, which is going to be really how how does the average person do this? And is there a, a manual for this? And then we're going to talk about commercialization and militarization can co-opt this, right? So how do we remain independent and, and retain this for ourselves rather than for it to be used as tools, uh, uh, maybe against us, right? So how do we take back our our own uh, sense of it? So we are 
We are going to uh, go to a break now. Please go and get a notepad and make sure you write some of the stuff down because Jamie is going to walk through some guides and and a direction for us. And uh, we'll be back after the break. This is Catherine Calarco with Humanity Evolve and our guest, Jamie Wheel. We will be back right after the break. dog barking or an angel singing then you know that you're listening to waking up in america heard every wednesday at three pacific time valerie kirkard and all of her friends will bring you powerful and humorous discussions that raise thoughts and give you insight on how to live your life to its fullest potential adventure is always a must on waking up in america with valerie kirkard every wednesday at three pacific these days everyone is looking for information on staying young healthy and fit The Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about everything from diet, fitness, and aging to substance abuse, personal growth, mental health, and much more. Learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here. This is Humanity Evolve with Catherine Calarco. To reach our show today, please call in to 1-866-613-1612. Again, that's 1-866-613-1612. Or you may send an email to info at ccalarco.com. Now, back to Humanity Evolve. Welcome back. We're with Jamie Wheel from Flow Genomic Project and the author of Stealing Fire. And just before the break, we were talking about how you can master your uh, world and really take back the your own take back your own ability to uh, get into the flow, to actually uh, get into these altered states that work for you rather than against you. And so, Jamie, kind of we just continue that conversation. I'd love to know you. Know, how does the average person do that do, does this and is there a manual for creating this state hmm. well that's actually my next book um, <laughs> or your next course one or the other right <laughs> well, yeah I mean I mean certainly we do lots of this training at the flow genome project and yeah. our our entry-level course is called Flow Fundamentals, and it's an online app-based program, and it's basically built around 60 minutes a day, what we would call your power hour. And what other, And this was we developed this in conjunction with Google and a lot of their teams of engineers and everything else. And in as little as 60 minutes a day, and it's not all in one block, it's kind of three minutes here, five minutes there, that sort of thing. Right. Um, the research has shown that, and we just, we just got this research back in the last month, is a 71% improvement in focus, clarity, peak performance, concentration, sense of mastery, and, and, a, and a host of other sort of academic metrics. So the, not, the idea that this stuff is no longer magical, mystical. I mean, really what it used to be is it used to be that musicians knew how to do it, dancers knew how to do it, extreme athletes knew how to do it. That's why there's such a thing as a surf bum or a ski bum, because they said <laughs> that thing right gets me to those places. I'm going to sacrifice everything else in my life to go get as much of that as I can. Mm. Right. And, and interestingly, in, a, in another one of our one of our bits of our research we were also just checking well what type of people find themselves in flow most readily or easily and we were expecting it to be the surf bums and the ski bums and the artist you know that the kind of either bohemians or aggro you know what were the classic kind of adrenaline junkies and 48 percent of the people and this is over 50,000 people surveyed so it's a big data set um 48 percent of them were actually what we had classified as deep thinkers which meant knowledge workers which meant someone who actually or someone who really enjoys being being on pinterest or who are into crafts or gardening or bird watching they preferred something more quiet and contemplative and in the life of their mind versus hucking themselves off cliffs or, or or down big waves so you know I think the biggest thing that we would want to share with people is a don't don't count yourself out. Yeah, you know, this is this is wildly readily accessible by all of us. Right. Um, even if you don't think of yourself right as the kind of person who would have you know those kinds of crazy experiences. So that's that's step one is to know it's our birthright and it's accessible regardless of who we are. Right. Um, Number two is as little as, you know, and it's, it's, you know, one hour out of 24 happens to work out to be 4%. So 4% of your day, are you willing to devote 4% 
of your day to meaningfully changing and improving how it how it lives and feels. Right. And, you know, and, not and a lot. That, you can do it. <laughs> that's that's not that that's not that big a one to to bite off. And and the idea here is that you know um, don't die wondering. Right. Exactly. It, right. There's there's no excuse these days to not be glimpsing on a as regular a basis as fits for you, your preferences, your you know your appetite and your and your life. Um, to be glimpsing these states, to be benefiting from the information and inspiration they often give us, and the resets. Right, because it's you know the the idea. I mean, we, we're all busy, right? We're all living lives. We have families. We ha- you know we have work and um, you know obligations and commitments and all these things. And it very rarely feels like there's enough time or juice to go around. Right. So right, and the, and and I'm deeply suspicious of anybody, any program, any teaching, any you know whatever it would be that promises that that stuff just vanishes or goes away just because you created the right vision board, right. you know, and bought the right platinum club membership, you know. So so the reality is. The human experience is the human experience. Yeah. You, know, uh, you know, Ernest Hemingway, he said, he said, the world breaks everyone. And, <laughs> and some of us are stronger in the broken places. You know, and so, and so ecstasis, these moments beyond ourselves, they, they are not a golden ticket out of the human experience. They're right. much more just a chance for us to set down our load from time to time and yeah. just straighten out our backs and take a few deep breaths and look around on the top of the mountain and go, ah, yes, all that ass-busting hiking was worth, you know, for this. Yeah. And, then, and then we shoulder them again. We, we, you know, we take on the responsibilities of parenting or of being a part of an, of an organization in our, in our careers. We, you know, we're tending aging parents or just the things that come up in our lives. And we, and we just have a little bit more lightness, a little bit more conviction that this is the work versus right. trying to jerk it or shun it. It's in a way where you're, it, there's a lot of energy burned in the drama around uh, around kind of this freneticness, right? And and this sense that the, it's normal to, you know, work 20 hours a day and and brag about it and get work on three hours of sleep and all the rest of it. And in fact, it, it is. And and the. And the reality is that there's some there's cultures that kind of reward this behavior, and I think what the ecstasis feeling is the state is teaching you is to the inner game of of entering in that state, irregardless of what's happening around you, and kind of mastering what it is and fast tracking to solutions because you don't have that energy burn and drama in the way. You kind of go, okay, I'm just going to do this, and it suddenly just arrives rather than it being you know four hours of work and overthinking and the whole thing you you kind of can shorten that and you talk a little bit about that in the in the book around you know navy seals using uh, float tanks and eeg feedback to 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 learn a language in six weeks you know i've found that sometimes it, it, it helps me with going okay i just need to get something done i got five minutes you just enter a, a, a nice flow state and you're able to cut through it and it isn't perfect but it's it's clear you know, and I think that that this this training enables you to get that clarity to allow you to be more productive and also to say no to things and not worry about it. Let stuff go, you know. Yeah, I mean, you know, Gandhi supposedly said, you know, today is an incredibly busy day with a lot of crucial meetings. So today I meditate for two hours instead of just one, <laughs> right? And and that's fine. Everybody goes, oh, Gandhi, you know, it's, it's like it's like a quote from the Dalai Lama or something. But but right. you know, a, a much more you know, contemporary and technical example was the most recent America's Cup races where, you know, uh, Larry Ellison, the founder of Oracle Software, spent 10 million bucks on his boat. It was the fanciest pants boat ever built for the America's Cup. And it literally didn't even move through the water when it got going fast <laughs> enough. It pops up on these hydrofoils, like literally like dolphin yeah. wings. And, and literally, it. there's this entire catamaran like hovering four feet off the water, going going close to sixty miles an hour, like insane. I mean, to, and they're so high tech and dangerous that there was they actually a, a sailor died, you yeah, know, killed sailing in the training, like that. Burly. It's like these spaceships, yeah. yeah. And and but the funny thing was is that. You have to go to. You have to be going a certain minimum speed to pop up on those hydrofoils, right? right? Which is not unlike the move from regular waking consciousness to these states of ecstasis that we've been talking mm. about. And they lost. They lost this first six races in a row to the New Zealand boat, who was no. this ragtag bunch of guys. They didn't have anywhere near the same amount of money. But what they had realized is, oh, all we got to do is just get up on those hydrofoils, and then we'll win, even if we have to sail further in the race to do so. And so, and they, and Oracle 
Brazil nearly lost the entire America's Cup because they refused to adapt their tactics to the new potential of their boat and the, and the performance gain that popping up on those hydrofoils would give them. And once the skipper was like, screw this, because he's an Aussie. He's like, I am not losing to the Kiwis. You know, and he <laughs> fired the tactician and he defied Larry Ellison, which is he was no, no teddy bear. And, and he basically turned the boat around and, and then they won the next eight straight races and the greatest comeback in the America's Cup in history. And that's a good metaphor for us, you know, which is, this is what our boats can do. This is what we as humans are right. capable of. This right. degree of this degree of inspiration, this degree degree of create creativity, of collaboration, of performance and focus. But you have to set aside this idea that oh, harder, faster, longer, delay of gratification, denial, sacrifice equals success. And you have to say, you know what? I'm going to look after myself. I'm going to get enough sleep. I am going to exercise and move my body. I am going to tend to my primary relationships. I am going to, <laughs> I, I am not going to, you know, numb myself out with alcohol and tobacco and, you know, and sugar and, and too much TV and various other stuff. And I'm actually going to treat myself a little bit like a high performance boat. And if I do, all those things that I might feel guilty about or ambivalent about as, as you know, indulgent or luxurious or beside the point aren't. They're actually necessary prerequisites for the kind of performance I'm actually committed to giving in my life and work. And that's yeah. the rethink from all the kind of crypto Puritan, you know, sacrifice equals merit equals worth equals accomplishment. Yeah, it's interesting because I think what I really liked in that analogy um, is the fact that what you th- just working harder in a direction that's not that's not performing for you isn't going to resolve the situation. And we are in such rapidly expanding times that we need to, in a way, stop, assess, look around, and 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 adapt different and new modalities for being. And and in some ways, it might even go back to to our roots. Or, or it might be, um, you know, doing something faster. Or it might be doing something different. And I think a lot of it is also to self-compassion. You know, so the ability to mm-hmm. get rid of that um, nagging voice in your in your head that's not helping you and not serving you, <laughs> and and also getting those micro moments during the day that you talked about of breathing. You know, just me- being mindful, being mindful of, oh, my breathing has gotten shallow and rapid, I better slow down, you know, take a moment for myself and I can really reset and build resilience in the moment um, by being aware of what's happening in your body and your mind um, in order to create that fundamental change. And just like riding a bike, once you learn how to do this, it becomes the way you, it becomes a new baseline for how you operate and you don't have to think about it as much or, or feel like it's work. I mean, this should, this should be fun as uh, more than it working and thinking about it it should be become a a natural habit and and be self-rewarding because you're suddenly feeling better and looking better and life is showing up different for you yeah. Well, that's, that's definitely the idea, right? I mean, yeah, exactly. <laughs> most of us, right? Most of us just kind of fumble and bumble through it. I mean, if you think of the classic overworked income family, you know, who ends up booking one week down in Cancun or, or Cabo or something, and off they dutifully go, and okay. there's squabbles and there's stress because of the travel, and then mom or dad is they're trying to set the kids up and do this and that, and they're at the pool, and they're like, okay, this is supposed to be it. I'm supposed to be sitting here, but I can't help but check my check my you know my phone and just see, oh, there's an, there's a work email. And oh, let me have like three margaritas now. And basically, we're judging the success or failure of our relationships, of our vacations, of all these things of like, how many minutes do I get to spend outside of myself? Yeah. Because that's, that's the first place I get to relax. And mm. and if there's something I tell, oh, I've got my laptop up. I mean, the number of people these days that guiltily admit to checking work email kind of stuff on, on, on vacations, you're like, oh, you poor bastards. You know, you're absolutely done for because there's, you're not going to get to reset your system. Yeah. And, and so, so to your point, at first, unwinding all of that, unwinding all of the oughts and the shoulds and the conditions and the habits of mm. just an overstimulated nervous system it takes a bit of work. It takes a bit of del- right. deliberation. But right. when you get comfortable with, ah, I know where my briar patch is. I know where that place calm and equanimity and reset is and I and I also know the best ways for me to get me there which could yeah. be the long dog walks it could be going and just busting and you know sweating it out at soul cycle or crossfit it could right. be 
you know, a meaningful dinner and connection. It could be church or prayer or, or meditation. It, you know, we, you know what makes you tick, but like right. find them and value them and realize that they're all part of the toolkit. We might think, oh, what I do on Sunday morning for my, my spiritual observance is completely different than my quote unquote workout, which is completely different than calling my parents once a week. But you realize, yeah. oh no, th- this is the human experience. And these are all ways for us to connect, find meaning, find purpose, and find satisfaction. And, yeah, and I love that. see them the sweet, then we then we're just a little often can be a little bit more skillful in which tools we select at which times. Yeah, and I think you you know you mentioned earlier the four percent a day, and you do have to do the work. There's no instant fix. There's no pill for this. There's no, you actually have to have, you know, set aside the time and, and treat it like a gift to you and your world around you. That that uh, that it's you know four percent of your day for four to six weeks will, and then it just micromanage it during the during your day, little micro moments uh, is is all that's needed to to enable this to to form in your yourself and and I must uh, a quick digression a, a shout out to my New Zealanders I I'm a big uh, <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a big team Emirates uh, team New Zealand fan <laughs> and, oh, and, nice. and I and I follow the America's Cup for many many years and I absolutely loved watching it, it was in a San Francisco Bay and, yeah. and, and and you literally watch them pop up right and they flew and no one would imagine what is possible in a sailing race that started off with, you know, large lumbering, uh, you know, sailboats, uh, you know, single hull to being what they are today. And I think that's a great visualization of saying I, as a person, can go from being this, you know, old fashioned sort of sailboat that's functional, works really well, you know, but I, if I, with a few adjustments and recontemplating, you know, tactics and strategy and practices, I can hydrofoil, you know, I can, I can yeah. fly on the water. Right, so I think that's yeah. kind of a cool visual. For sure, and, and and also just I mean just to take some time on that, right? Because I mean most listeners will be like, okay, this still sounds rather abstract and esoteric. Yeah. Um, or the examples we're using are these people that I can I never would uh, self-identify as being, whether it's you know high-end military folks or top-flight Silicon Valley people or, or or athletes or whatever it would be. Yeah. Um, but the realities are is like none of this is complicated, and right. anybody that is telling you it is is almost always selling you a bottle of something. Right. You know, there's almost always a supplement. There's almost always a gadget or a widget. There's almost always something that they're trying to talk you into thinking you need. And the reality is, is it, it's you know, sleep deeply, move often, right? <laughs> Eat whole foods, mostly plants, not too much, right? Michael Pollan. Right. One, be grateful, make love, right? Soak right. up sunshine. Um, you know, hashtag do the obvious. Right. The human culture has abundant, rich traditions of how to celebrate being alive. Sing, dance, move, pray, right? Build beautiful stuff, right? Be good to each other. Like, this is not complicated. Right. Um, and the ideas are just that, just look what it is in our lives. I mean, Krishnamurti, you know, famously said, he said, there's no sign of health to be well adjusted to a sick society. Mm. You know, and that's not to say that our whole society is sick, but it is to say that there are some completely unintentional elements that have just gone off the rails, particularly in the last decade of this sort of digital phones in our pockets, everyone walking around like, eye, you know, eye zombies. You know, there's a lot of goofiness that has just inserted itself into our lives and squeezed out other things we used to value. Mm. So there's, a, there's this requirement for pruning, which is if, you know, it's just like our, the kitchen table where, where all the mail comes and the car keys live and all that kind of stuff. If you don't do a whole bunch of recycling on a weekly basis, you will be snowed under like a cat lady in six <laughs> months. Right? So that's our life days. Yeah, yeah. That much un, 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 like we didn't ask for it. I mean, if I, we, we just did, you know, the whole life-changing magic of tidying up, right? I mean, like, yeah, everybody's yeah. on that thing. You, we started emptying out our house and we realized, oh my gosh, 90% of the complete and utter garbage we're looking at, we're like, how, why are we still cutting this around? We didn't buy. We, we didn't, didn't need this. <laughs> like some other family member dropped it off. Some friend was moving and put like, they weren't even, they didn't even like intentionally make it through our front door in the first place. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's true with all these news alerts. That's true with our inboxes. That's true with like the 75% of my friends on Facebook that I'm not actually friends with, you yeah. know, but it, but their feed is still in my life. Like just right. prune, 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 prune and do and the it's kind, of, 
it's kind of the the and one of the techniques that you that you have in the in the book itself is 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 a bit of a manual for mm-hmm. uh, this uh, the state uh, ecstasis and and a, and a create a calendaring system and um, yeah. we're going to come back after the break and talk about that that calendaring system and and maybe you could give us a, a few tips on how people could sort of structure this. I mean, you talked about the four percent of your day, but maybe mm-hmm. there's a couple of, of tips that people can actually apply. Um, and we'll come back after the break and walk through those. So this has been an amazing conversation with Jamie Wheel. Please stay with us and come back for that. And we'll walk through the calendaring system on a manual on how to actually achieve this. This is Catherine Calarco on Humanity Evolve with today's guest, Jamie Wheel. We'll be right back. Are you finding your frequency? It can be described as that space between failure and success. It's the future of digital media. It's finding your voice. It's engaging topics, content, and ideas. Jeff and Ryan discuss the digital media space and all of its aspects. It's about making the mistakes, taking the chances, summoning the intestinal fortitude to step out of your comfort zone, and discovering what you can accomplish when you decide to try, decide to learn, decide that you have something to say, and find your frequency. Fridays at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Dialogue is the single most powerful leadership tool we have to make a difference in the world. Leading conversations with host Cheryl Esposito creates a place for that dialogue. Tune into the Voice America Business Channel every Friday as Cheryl hosts new conversations among leaders from around the world in business, government, art, economics, and social change. We'll explore big ideas and everyday actions and learn how their own leadership has led them to discover a newfound sense of possibility in the world. Leading conversations with Cheryl Esposito, bringing big thinkers together in conversations that make a difference right here on the Voice America Business Channel every Friday morning at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. This is Humanity Evolve with Catherine Calarco. To reach our show today, please call in to 1-866-613-1612. Again, that's 1-866-613-1612. Or you may send an email to info at ccalarco.com. Now, back to Humanity Evolve. Welcome back. This is Catherine Calarco and our guest, Jamie Wheel. Right before the break, we were talking a little bit about how to structure and create boundaries in your in your life to bring in this state of ecstasis and, and actually operate from a more optimal point of view and, and bring more joy, really live from a state of joy. Um, Jamie, can you talk a little bit about this manual or how to calendarize it? It's in the in the book itself. It talks a li- gives a little bit of a, a guidance on that, and you have it as a download on your website. Um, um, can you talk a little bit about that calendaring and, and how people can actually use this as a structure for them to to uh, um, develop these skills? Sure. I mean, the first thing is to realize, you know, what, what we sort of playfully call hedonic calendaring, which is, you know, the art of fine-tuning your pleasure. <laughs> um, so so the, the first step is just to kind of back up and say, you know, the whole – the only – time that that is even valid or valuable is if you've actually figured out what is deeply pleasurable and enjoyable for you and what Mm. that what serves your own growth so for most people step one is like go hunt your white whale like everybody's you know the whole most men live lives of quiet desperation right the first part is stop being so quietly and quietly desperate (laughs) go ring your bell and go right go find joyful lights you up and right and many of those things have been problematic. There's there's guilt, there's shame, there's fear around them. There, you know, there's all there's all sorts of cautionary tales. Or, but like, go find it because in this day and age, um, deep, profound inspiration and pleasure are available. So the question now becomes, okay, now if they are available, now what do I do? How do I integrate these things in my life? Because up until really now, 
Um, most of these techniques of ecstasis have been strictly controlled. They've been modulated and monitored. And the idea was there was a sort of a what has been known as sort of an, author, an orthodox path, which is like thou shalts and thou shalt nots. And the thou shalts is what everybody can do and no one's going to screw up. And the thou shalt nots was pretty much like we, if we told – this is kind of like, like public school rules. You know, <laughs> if in public school you had a rule of, hey, when you need to pee, go pee, come back. You know, and then you'd be like, oh, my gosh, we wouldn't have any kids in class. So, no, everyone needs a hall monitor pass and that kind of thing. Right? I mean, that's that's how that's the, by and large the broad relationship we've had to these particular techniques, because mm-hmm. if you couldn't rely that everyone would treat them well, then no one could have access. Mm. So what we're talking about with hedonic calendaring is, well, what happens if you say, maybe I am going to incorporate some of these pleasurable, rewarding, because I mean, think about all the neurochemistry, right? Think about how nice it feels to have moments of silence from our inner critic, all of those things. Um, even think, I mean, we, you know, we mentioned this in the book, but it's, um, there was a very a great book that if you haven't seen, it's called Salt, Sugar, Fat, which just mm. came a Pulitzer Prize winning New York Times writer a couple of years ago, and he was basically talking about the bliss point and how the food industry has just hacked our brain. Right, exactly. Those three sensations drive us crazy. They were rare and precious all through evolutionary history, and now we have them, you know, every day at, at the Cheesecake Factory, uh, you know, or, or at your or, or an In-N-Out Burger, and people can't manage it. Seventy percent of adult American men are obese now. Thanks, mm-hmm. bliss point. Right, so. Right. We realize that, we, and and Ron Siegel at UCLA, who's an anthropologist, has argued that our desire to shift states um, is prevalent through the animal kingdom. Like literally, almost every continent, mammals across it will nibble on things, chew on things, suck on things to change their state of consciousness because it serves an evolutionary benefit of depatterning. Our, our gets us out of our ruts, right? Helps mm-hmm. us think in new and creative ways. So if you realize, oh well, that might be an evolutionary drive as well, and now we have access to all this stuff, we better watch it. Right. Because we need to own it. Right. Do too much. Right. right? And, you know, and online streaming pornography is a very explicit problematic issue these days where you realize, oh, my goodness, access to an available mate without competition from like, you know, Grug, the six, the seven foot tall caveman who was going to beat me over the head with a cudgel. Like that is a very evolutionarily rare thing. Now you see teenage boys and 20 something males unable to unplug from that. Right. Mm-hmm. Because the reward loop is so powerful. Right. Compared games. to. Yeah, you know, like online games, yeah. Exactly. And so so hedonic calendaring is a way to have checks and balances on that. Right. So basically, take everything that you can think of, everything from adventure travel to, you know, physical events like Tough Mudders and adventure races to, you know, your soul cycle class or your meditation or yoga class to, you know, biofeedback and things like that to um, your relational practice to um, to spiritual retreats and workshops and services and celebrations to, you know, music events and festivals, you name it, take a look at all of them. And put them yeah. all in one place and then be like, okay, now what's the cost benefit on each of these? And let me try and build my daily practices around pretty much the flossing your teeth, doing your push-ups, doing your sun salutations, the things that you by and large can't do too much of. These are my foundational good things. And then once a week, right, have you know, have a sort of contemporary Sabbath observance. It can just be an internet Sabbath that we just unplug the damn router. Right. And we're just we're just we're just analog humans for a day, right? Or if there's any faith tradition that you're fired up about or is true for your family, you know, feel free to revive it. But right. once a week, what is what is three hours a what is three hours a week? You know, just on a, on a Sunday afternoon or a Saturday, whenever it works for you. What does that look like to be dedicated to my life, growth, and meaning? And yeah. go have those experiences. And once a month, shoot the moon a little further. Once a season and then once a year. And once a year is probably your big, hairy, scary things. It could be like, ooh, this is a little nervous. I'm going to go trekking in Nepal. Or I'm going to go and do some, I'm going to do a nine-day meditation retreat. Or I'm going to go to the Amazon and do you know, whatever. I mean, just something big, you know, true kind of bucket list stuff. Right, things, right. Things that if I didn't plan for it and I didn't commit to it, I'm never going to do. So it's like you're you're building, right? So a little bit like you know, you every day what are the daily practices that you have that actually create this state, and then from there, what what you know, spend one week, you know, spend three hours a week, and actually you know, get re in touch with that, and then have a bigger and bigger thing for once a month, and then once a year, kind of like what's your step ladder to that, and exactly. in, and and in a way, these are things that you probably do already or know of or are aware of, but instead. 
instead of your negative patterns being your focal point, you're actually shifting your focal point more to what is good for me, what is what is developmental. And it doesn't need to be expensive or complicated. It can be as simple as just walking in a park or or spending more time looking into the eyes of your loved one or 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 feeling the 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 toes your toes in the sand you know there's there's things that and you start to realize these joyful moments these ecstatic moments and you and it starts to build a well within you and I I, I just see this as being something that is almost like a fo- refocusing your attention and creating a positive calendar for yourself that builds this into your life right and I it, it yeah. seems like it, it's it is very possible to do and you know when you start seeing it it is everywhere right so you're you're providing a structure to actually uh, access this knowledge that's there and change our mental models around it, right? You're, For sure. And, and then and yeah. the final part, I mean, obviously, because, I mean, this is just a how-to, right, what we've talked right. about so far. But the flip side is, yeah. like, remember, these are evolutionarily rare and precious and potentially addictive. I mean, the, the middle is I love to do it and it's self, self-motivating. self The downside right. is it's so self-motivating I can't stop doing it at all, right? right? right. And, and that's sexuality, that's substances, that's music and celebration, that's even exercise for some people. Right. Right. So the question is, is how do I know that that morning cup of coffee – you know, regardless of whether I put butter and coconut oil in it, it's just like, actually, I, it, it has me. I don't have it. Right. right? I told myself right. a great story about what I'm doing with it. <laughs> Do I really know? So that's where yeah. we say the check and balance is pick one month a year where you go cold turkey on all of it. Yeah. Wow. And including meditation, right? Including anything that starts as a tool may become a crutch. And mm. you can tie that to Yom Kippur or you can Ramadan or Lent. You can just say New Year's or back to school. Pick. It doesn't matter right. where in the calendar is useful for you, but right. pick some time that other people are doing something similar because it'll boost your odds of sticking with it and yes. go 30 days and just watch every single little itch and tug. I mean, for me, if I don't have access to good dark chocolate after a savory dinner, I get twitchy like a cigarette <laughs> smoker, right? I mean, I literally like just two squares. That's all I'm asking for. Oh, I know. Come on. And, and that's what I like, right? I'm laughing because I'm kind of the same way. I love dark chocolate. Only one square. That's all I need, right? Yeah. So, yeah. And I... And you bring this up at a really interesting time because the the this show is live on Mardi Gras, and uh, yes. and and so this is a season for this as an opportunity for us, regardless of your practices. But this is sort of a a, a day to celebrate this as a starting point, right? And uh, so just you know everyone out there, just use this day, whatever day you're listening to it, as a starting point for you to really incorporate some of these practices and and this concept in your life. And uh, the interesting part you talk about with regard to the opposite side, you know, a lot of companies use this information. You talked about uh, games, virtual reality, uh, uh, a lot of the, uh, you know, a lot of the advertising, you know, we've seen has really uh, leveraged this to our detriment and the militarization of that. You know, they know these organizations and corporations know more about these triggers than we as people do and the book is really trying to flip that so that we are empowered and know as much and and control um you know control our state but you know how how do you maintain yourself in this right how do you actually once you're aware of this what recommendations do you have on on really countering this commercialization and militarization to be more humanity oriented rather than monetary oriented Sure. Well, I mean, and also just just to cycle back, since you just mentioned carnival, I mean, just the you know geeky geeky etymology, right? Carnival yeah. is to remo- is the removal of the meat. <laughs> so so carnival is actually the final party to get your absolute yayas out before before Lent, uh, and and which which was the time of the fasting. So yeah, you're absolutely right. It's 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 a it's a perfect time to have this conversation. Yeah. Um, and you know, to your point about you know what we talk about, is we say, look, there's it's a three legged stool of how cultivating these states can go wrong. The mm. first is hedonism. We are not we are just not reliable self-reporters or actors. Right? And we yeah. will we will get overheated on this stuff and if, if if a little bit feels good, you know, then then more must be even better. And our own checks and balances we're just not always reliable pilots. Mm. So that's that's first, second and third. But like then the true second and third is also is what we talked about. We said, you know, uh, militarization which is just, you know, forever um, the ability to shift states of consciousness either to create a super warrior or to disassemble 
you know, an enemy or someone else's consciousness gain access to information. You know, back in the 50s and 60s, brainwashing was the notion coming out of the Korean War, which was actually a CIA construct. It didn't, <laughs> it wasn't actually a concern. It was that they had had one of their pilots get shot down in North Korea and they had to come up with a cover excuse. Um, mm. But that's gone on, that's gone all along. But I would say that for most folks, that's not an issue. Just kind of keep your fingers crossed and your head down. Um, but the one that's very relevant and applicable for all of us these days is, is commercialization. Because right. once people, once you know, companies are deeply aware, and they are, there's an entire field called neuromarketing, and they they do brain scans and they watch people's affiliations and associations with brands like Apple and Ferrari, and oh by the way, the same regions of the brain that light up during a religious experience with Carmelite nuns are also lighting up when people see strong brands like Harley and Ferrari and Apple. Therefore, can we? poke and prod and nudge the same impulses for religiosity and belonging and deep meaning and, and connection and then sell you something yes we can right. the video game manufacturers have galvanic skin response and heart rate and eeg and if they don't and they hook them up to teenagers and if they don't jack the blood pressure of the teenager up to 180 over 140 and get get a certain you know get them sweating and aroused and get their brain activity they rejigger the game yeah, which is... And, and, right? And their shoes were caffeine and dopamine, which are two of the more addictive. I mean, it's basically methamphetamine and cocaine, right? Yeah. The internal neurochemicals, they're shooting to juice teenage boys with that as much as possible, and they will tune the games until they get that result. So yeah. the real issue is just to say, we would be huge advocates of just cognitive literacy. Right. Understand how our bodies and brains shape our hearts and minds. And I love that. Right? And if you can understand that, then you have a little bit more control and consent. Who is looking to rent space in your head with or without your permission? And when you're, once you become aware of that, it doesn't mean you're in, you're in no way immune to it. I can understand how a car crash happens and I can still get in one. Yeah. You know? And so, but we can become a little bit more, um, move towards cognitive liberty, like cognitive literacy is step one. I just have to understand how I and everyone else around me ticks and understand who's got their hands on my levers with or without permission. And then ultimately cognitive liberty, which is no one yeah. opinion over what happens between my ears. I think that's fundamentally the most important thing is to realize that we have the power within ourselves to master this. And I, if you want to know more, we're running out of time. This is just a fascinating subject. and I, I just love this conversation. Jamie, If uh, for our listeners to learn more about this and become cognitively literate and and liberated, and also be able to support organizations that support you as your as a human being and do things for you. You have a lot of power, so realize that power. and And if you want to learn more, stay connected with us on stealingfirebook.com. That's where Jamie's book is. Uh, it got all the information on that. Or if you're interested in the Flow Fundamentals course, go, go to the Flow Genomic Project and find out information from that. We're both on Twitter and and LinkedIn and Facebook, and uh, we'd love to continue this conversation. It's been absolutely phenomenal. This is Jamie uh, Jamie Wheel from Stealing Fire and Flow Genomic Project, and the opportunity for us is to become the masters of ourselves and realize the power we have to be our best selves and have a joyful life, as well as to manage those who are trying to use that information to sell us things or create militarization. Just be aware of it, right? Um, and I really look forward to the second book <laughs> and the courses that come out of it. And uh, everyone have an awesome day. Uh, be well, be joyful, and be Prometheus and steal the fire for yourself, for your family, and for this world. Thank you so much for joining us today on Humanity Evolved. This is Catherine Calarco with Jamie Wheel. Thank you for joining Catherine Calarco for this week's edition of Humanity Evolve. Be sure to tune in again next Tuesday afternoon at 4 p.m. Eastern Time and 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Women's Channel. We'll talk again then.